This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me as usual are Richard Hawes. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we have four main reviews. Uh, we're going to kick off with the World War II set thriller Warblade. Then we have Kevin Hart in Lift. And then a couple of films we picked up off Paramount Plus, uh, She Rose and Slother House. Our short shot is The Lumberjack. And our DTV throwback is Leslie Nielsen in Wrongfully Accused. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film, then, is Warblade. RAF officer Robert Banks is teamed up with an explosive expert and sent into occupied France to help rescue a resistance fighter from a secret Nazi bunker. Okay, um, this is pretty well shot reasonably well acted um and it's from a director i've covered before who did a film called robin hood the rebellion which yes. i remember being very good as a very good film except when it came to the fighting <laughs> you know the fight scenes were dreadful they obviously didn't have a budget for it but everything else about the film worked it was it was it was really quite enjoyable um i did get a lot out of this um it, it does um it does fail in a couple of areas one one of my sort of chief niggles being the sound effects because every gun in this sounds like it's um a christmas cracker being pulled which is a real shame um and, and the editing I, I think it just needs to be a bit more snappy um basically it's it's nothing new really but you know it it's and it is quite a sort of nihilistic um, sort of men on a mission, you know, team being depleted one by one kind of scenario. But I, I did like it for the most part. Um, I, I do have a couple of other comments to make, but I will jump in as we go. Uh, so, Steve, what did you make of Warblade? Um, yeah, I thought it was very, very slow. Um, it just didn't just didn't get the blood pumping in any way, really. I thought it was very, very just bland. I don't know. There was something missing. I mean, when he starts off, I thought it was basically just like an inglorious bastard's ripoff, where they're, mm. you know, in the room, being sent on the mission, expected Mike Myers to pop up any second. <laughs> and then it just, I thought it just seems flat. There's no, Oh, very stiff up the lip, you know, mm. with the characters and stuff. And some of the characters are just annoying. There's, there's one bloke in it called Vincent. He's an asshole. And then the woman, um, I can't remember her name now. The British um, one or the, or the French, or the nurse? The British one. Mm. And she's just, I don't know, she's just like awful. She's just an asshole all the way through. And 
not not as much as the actors, just the characters. I just didn't like yeah. the characters at all. She just annoyed me. And like you say, it's the editing could do definitely being tightened up. And it just seems languid, the whole thing. I don't know. It just didn't gel me or get me going at all, to be fair. The the, the other element for this that really stood out was um, we, we got our two RAF officers <clears throat> having to um, impersonate um, German officers at one point mm. in order to infiltrate this bunker. And at no point yeah. do they look anything except like a couple of RAF officers wearing a Nazi uniform. Yeah. It is it is straight out of Allo alone. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it, really, yeah. it really is. You know, how could any German soldier look at these two guys and go, yeah, that obviously is a German officer. And instead yeah. of thinking, well, that's obviously um, an Englishman pretending to be a bloody... Um, officer is one thing, but then on, on the flip side of that, you had the you know the main Gestapo guy, who's you know the cackling evil, monologuing mm. arsehole, um, with his long hair. Yeah, and I'm thinking, dude, he, he could have at least committed to the role and got a haircut. Mm. You know, I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, again, if I was a German soldier, I would have shot him for being a bloody spy. Well, clearly he can't be a, you know, a Gestapo officer. Look at his hair. He's a bit ridiculous. Um, but uh, Rich, uh, what did you make of Warblade? I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, gentle enough fare for a, a, like a Sunday afternoon. Like, uh, you know, it's. I think it's the kind of um, World War Two story that could is it i would say in more of like a bbc drama style maybe not like current bbc because current bbc they've got loads of money to do big much bigger sequences and stuff but this is a you know this is not an action movie this isn't guns and Navarone or anything like that this is a sort of a, a, a small scale story but i think within uh, you know more emphasis on drama than action but i think within the constraints i think it works well i think you know we've seen a lot of low budget um sort of period you know wartime stories and some of them pull it off better than others and uh, i think this is one of the ones that does it better and they don't try it doesn't try to do more than is within their means sure. uh, so you've got some uh some a very small cast uh, a limited number of locations which look nice and authentic there's not a huge amount of production design or set dressing but i mean you go into the the guy's office at the start the movie and it's basically a big room with a desk but yeah. you know even big budget movies do a big room and you know and a desk mm -hmm. so uh, I, I thought that was absolutely fine in within the context of also the um the situation uh some of the other and then once they get down into the tunnels and stuff uh for the bunker that all looked quite decent you know um it, as you say phot photographed well you know, it's, it looks quite good. I thought the cast were quite decent. What I think elevated it as well was the score. Um, mm -hmm. I took a note of the composer, Daryl O'Donovan. I almost thought it was, um, it might have been library music because the standard seemed to be so high compared to the to the sort of low budget of the of the production yeah. itself. But it does seem to be a completely authentic score uh, composed for the film. Uh, the, the composer has a very long list of credits, including a number of films with this same director, Nicholas Winter, mm -hmm. and um, lots of other, you know, shorts and all sorts of, of other stuff and um yeah the the film is uh i think one of the last films we covered that was a bit like this was the wolves of 
War, uh, which, yeah. which was um, which actually shares a producer with mm -hmm. this one, uh, um, one of the, possibly more than one producer, but uh, Jeet, Jeet Thakra, whose uh, company uh, uh, Thuggy Films, I think made the made this one uh, was one of the primary producers of the film. Uh, he's been involved in say lots of Nicholas Winter films as well as um, even stuff like One Ranger, which um, uh, is Jesse Johnson's. Yeah. Uh, latest film as well as other films in this similar kind of vein like uh, behind the line escapes dunkirk which i haven't seen yet uh, adventures of maid marion uh, and um uh, the arthur and merlin film that we saw in Knights oh, yeah. of camelot mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yes as well as you, the robin hood the rebellion that you mentioned earlier so um yeah i thought overall i was quite engaged with it i mean it's not 100 percent my cup of tea but uh, i think you know within the means that it had uh, it's it's edging closer to it's not quite a Steve Lawson movie. It was a bit more expansive, but it's mm -hmm. sort of in that realm, I would say. Of uh, heading uh, more know. towards sort of Charlie Steed's kind of, kind of, sort yeah. of budget. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is with with a film like this, um, I, I think it's it, you know it is a success if you can manage to film um, external scenes without it looking like just a few guys playing in the woods you know yeah. I, I mean I, I've, I've seen a lot worse I've seen, especially from America where you know that they, they try this kind of um, period setting and yeah. it, it just lacks that cinematic edge to it I mean this this manages to, to convey that you know you're not just thinking oh, it's some guys cosplaying it, it actually does look like a proper scene which is um, you know that's to be, to be commended for sure. The location. Yeah, and there's a good. bit of fight action as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bit yeah. of yeah. the, the, um, the deaf. See, sorry, I'm just going off on a tangent here. Mm. So there's a deaf character in the movie uh, who's quite important to the plot, and him and the hero basically buddy up. And I was just almost always constantly thinking, is there going to, are we going to see a scene where they're like talking and he clearly should have been able to read his lips, but he wouldn't be able to because he wasn't looking at him or something. And, oh, uh, but he doesn't speak I, English. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that I thought for the most part, um, hmm. you know, I did. I could. I thought they were, you know, carrying that well. I, I did. Yeah. I did notice that, you know, an effort to, you know, he was looking him in the eye and stuff when he, you know, or most or the main character at least um, uh, was. Uh, who was what was his name uh banks i think he's banks yeah um, the officer he's he's sort of um uh looking him in the eye so there is an authenticity to that because he's an the other guy uh, whose name i, I forget is uh, his character supposed to be an explosives expert and, he, archie. I think and he's archie archie yeah and uh so he's been his ears are shot from 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 that work which i thought was a really nice interesting angle you know they didn't have to try something that uh, mm -hmm. difficult you know they could have just made it you know just kept that aside but that added a little bit of an extra interesting element and uh, there's also that plays into a couple of the scenes like there's a misunderstanding with one of the other characters and he thinks he's you know going after his missus or something and uh, he's like no he just didn't hear you coming <laughs> it's like, it's like mm -hmm. it was just he was caught by surprise you know and, uh, and uh, then that was why he reacted in certain ways and stuff so mm -hmm. I thought there was uh, some nice interplay there and that sorry i've 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 i apologize no, no. i just sort of went off on a on a, on a tangent there yeah um i mean like the robin hood one i mean he, he, he um 
yeah, Nicholas Winters, he does get good mileage out of his locations. Uh, the whole bunker thing, I mean, clearly it hasn't been touched since the Second World War. <laughs> you know, it's all peeling paint and yeah. everything. But, you know, it, it, is, it is a good location anyway. I mean, they, they, and, and, you know, the lighting and things like that, you ne you're never sort of left in the dark as to what's going on or, you know, no, nothing's murky or anything. You know, they handle all the sort of night scenes very well. So, yeah, on, on a technical level, it's very good. Um, it's, it's just the pacing and, and I didn't and mind the, the pacing. I know it is a slow, it is a slow, slowly paced story, but I, I kind of got into the rhythm of that after a while of just sort of mm -hmm. accepting that that's the way that kind of, and to say, I think it is more, it's a, it's a gentle watch rather than anything too, mm -hmm. um, with too much exertion. So I think, uh, I know it's a bit, oh, I don't know how they would get it, but this is kind this is kind of a movie for an older generation, I think. Rather than rather than maybe necessarily oh, yeah. uh, the youngsters yeah. and stuff. So if this would this this would be the kind of movie that I would expect sit out on DVD. It's in the supermarket. You know the the, the older generation are going around. They pick up a copy and they watch it on a Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I see this. But the, uh, this is you know we're in the digital realm now and stuff. And you know someone like my dad is is possibly more of an audience for maybe something like this. But he's not gonna he's not gonna do VOD or anything mm -hmm. like that to do it all but if it but it might sort of turn up on you know get sold to a netflix or something and then he, and then it you know it might get find its audience in that way um but i think yeah i think good job you know i mean every you know the say the director is very experienced he's got you know over 10 years of, of directing credits uh under his belt and stuff so i think i think they all knew kind of what they were doing and that's kind of helped to sort of take this uh, maybe a little bit above what what I might have expected, what I, what I did expect yeah. going in. Indeed. And on that note, uh, Steve, how are you going to score uh, Warblade? I'll give it. I'll give it a five. Okay, I am going for a six. This this sits just. I mean, this sits below the likes of um, the Burial and Condor's Nest as sort of you know that uh, I think those are m better. Um, thrillers, as it were, I think. But um, Rich, how, how are you going to score this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a six as well. Okay. Two sixes and a five for Warblade. Go check it out. Our next film is Lift. A master thief called Cyrus and his crew are offered pardons from Interpol if they assist them in stealing half a billion dollars worth of gold, being transported by air for a very nefarious deal by a ruthless billionaire. Teaming up with Agent Gladwell, who's been hot on his heels, Cyrus tries to pull off the biggest heist of his career. So we've got another very slick reasonably expensive looking very well produced film for Netflix uh starring Kevin Hart who's you know he's he's a very easygoing actor these days you know um he, he seems to have sort of slipped into this quite um benign kind of role you know um he, he's this sort of very i don't know you know after things like um What's that thing he did with John Travolta, Rich? The series. Uh, Die Hard. 
diehard, you know, where he's playing this sort of very earnest, very needy guy, and and um, right, ride along with uh, Ice Cube, you know, he's, he's he's that sort of, you know, wants to impress people. Now he's the guy who is impressing people, so you know, with with this particular role. Um, I I enjoyed this. It's it's very slick, very easy easy going. It's not it's not anything which is going to stretch your mind or anything. Um, but it, it's nice seeing all the different pieces come together, uh, you know, all the little sort of twists and things. I mean, you know, the twists are pretty much obvious, but um, it's still nice to see it all all, all work. You know, it all, all works like clockwork, basically. Um, so, Steve, what did you make of Lift? I enjoyed it, actually. It was... I heard about it coming out. I wasn't that bothered. Then he said, you know, we're going to do it for the show. I thought, okay, stuck it on. And it is what it sets out to be. It's slick, entertaining, fun, uh, nothing too serious, but it does it well. Um, you know, glossy, doesn't expensive. I really enjoyed um, Gagoon Bavara. I think she's. It's a different role for her. It's more action than what mm. I've seen her do before. Um, you know, stuff like Loki and Cloverfield Paradox and stuff like that. It's not something that she's come across as doing, you know, oh. something that, that she won't do. But no, she she steps up to the plate quite well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, is, it, it does exactly what it, what it sets out to do. Uh, entertaining... I mean, it's a bit. Some of it's a bit ridiculous, you know, with the um, the glass roof playing and stuff <laughs> like that. And I mean, there's yeah. that many, there's that many Chekhov's guns. You could, you could you yeah, know, arm and army with it, you know. But no, it it, it was a, a decent, enjoyable, fun flick, and I didn't really expect anything else from it. Really, the um the guy at the beginning. Um, the the artist that they they in in inverted commas kidnap yeah um, isn't he the guy who plays Peter Parker's best mate in the yes. Spider Man films yeah yes. I thought, yes. yeah, I thought so. yeah yeah my wife spotted well, him that's, straight that's, away that's the other thing as well you got quite a lot of hmm. you know recognised when well, you know, Sam Wormans in there as well yeah uh, you know the baddies you've got the guy out of Peaky Blinders and mm -hmm. the guy out of Torchwood as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, and, and even John Reno, of course. Yeah. Like five minutes, if that. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, um, funny enough, you know, in our last episode, we had um, the 13th Floor, which um, co-starred Vincent D'Onofrio, and then we got, an, you know, another yeah. interesting performance from him in this one, where he's, he's playing these sort of different personalities. Thought, you know, I quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it, it just it just works, really. It just, you know, it, it's um, it, it's certainly a lot more enjoyable than, um, than Red Notice, for example, which was, uh, you know, you really just felt everyone was there just for a paycheck. Um, this one at least manages to ent entertain um, overall. Um, Rich, your thoughts on Lyft? I was, I think the um, you know we've seen a lot of these uh, sort of capery kind of hmm. uh, movies like uh, The Misfits, Misfits was one yeah. of the ones we did recently. But uh, when I was watching it, the because partly because it's I guess because it's a Netflix film, 
one that really sprang to mind was uh, Six Underground. I felt yeah. like I was watching Six Underground again, almost, right. uh, because I, although I think that's quite different in, a, in certain respects, but it's mm. got that same kind of globe trotting, you know, big cast of thing led by a charismatic, funny guy. You know, yeah. instead of Ryan Reynolds, we've got Kevin Hart and stuff. Although he's kind of, like you say, he's kind of downplaying the comedy in this one. Mm. Uh, he's, uh, he's much more of the straight man. Uh, and he's kind of got this team around him. And uh, um, yeah, it was reminding me a lot of other things. I mean, it's, say, I don't know whether Netflix, because they've got an international presence anyway, whether they're going around shooting lots of uh, exteriors must, and you know, locations a, and yeah, stuff. Exactly. They've got they a library, a basically. Library, <laughs> a yeah, library exactly. of drone footage, you know, very, very photogenic drone footage of just about every major city, probably, you know. So various things were coming to mind when I was watching this. It's directed by F. Gary Gray. So I was thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, this is very much they've hired him because, you know, it, it's like another Fast and Furious movie, basically, like he's already directed. And then I was thinking, right. and then I was, as I was watching it, it was reminding me a lot of the Italian job, which I'd completely forgotten mm. until now mm. that he'd actually directed the... <laughs> and I'm talking about the remake, yeah, yeah. not the yeah, yeah. original. So this is a lot yeah. like the... And actually, I've got the tra I've got the page, the IMDb page open in front of me, and the trailer's playing. And it says from the director of... Fate of the Furious mm -hmm. and the and in, the Italian job. So these are clearly films that they were intending to to be sort of leading on slightly anyway. So the, those were the some of the films, as well as stuff like Mission Impossible coming to mind. Um, so yeah, I thought overall, um, it's you know these films are of a very very high standard for what is essentially a TV movie or a director video movie or however you want to say the the, ball, the goalposts are so all over the place at the moment but uh, a film never intended for theatrical distribution so it's really good quality there's a lot of cgi in it uh some of it's better than other oh here's the other thing the first film actually that came to mind was money plane so and this is a million yes. times better than money plane um but the um the visual effects and stuff were all uh, mostly good there's a lot of um virtual backgrounds or blue screen kind of stuff is when they go to it's like for example when they're in when the, like at the end uh when they go to uh, one of the, i'm not going to say what it is but when they go to one of the locations at the end uh, mm. we've seen all the establishing shots but when we see them there i'm pretty sure they're not there <laughs> so i'm pretty sure they're they're in a, in a studio with a with a with a background or whatever it is and mm. that's a, that's the case with a few of the sequences it seems like it's possibly very studio based. Yeah. Uh, well, considering the... considering what they do to that place, it's mm. not surprising that it's you know it would be green screen. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but I think in in a way that you wouldn't see in a mm -hmm. theatrically released film, for yeah. example, like mm -hmm. you generally don't see. It. I mean, um, I might be that might be you know. Uh, I might be wrong there, um, but the, the it did, did sort of feel a bit too obvious. So I would say that they put a lot of clearly put a lot of money into it. They've, they've worked to a formula. Uh, it's a it's very polished. Uh, it's it's got a script by um, a guy who's actually got only one other credit to his name, which is uh, Twelve Rounds, the John Cena movie oh, yeah. uh, from from fifteen years ago. Um, I thought that that was what I'd say. The cast is cast is good. Uh, I love all the international locations. I love all the, you know, doing stuff in London and and uh, it's Italy and all that sort of stuff, which was quite nice. The action's well done. Um, yeah, so I would say uh, the one thing I would one thing I need to say is I've got no idea what an NFT is, and I wish they'd establish what an NFT is at the mm -hmm. beginning. I know I'm probably left behind, you know, like a like a luddite or something, but 
It's just they just kind of say, oh, they're trying to steal an NFT. No one's ever stolen an NFT before. It's like, what the hell's an NFT? Just tell me. And it's funny because I'm watching a TV series at the moment, and NFT is being mentioned in that as well. And I'm like, but what is it? I know there's sort of somebody said like cryptocurrency and things like that. But uh, it's, it's can you guys explain to, to me? What yeah, that is? Yeah. it's linked to it. it. It's basically a a single image. Which you know, which which hasn't been copied or, or you know, or, or can't be copied, basically. Um, but it, it's what is something which was like mega popular about two years ago, and then the, the market just sort of dropped out of it. And I think it was, it was the very was it something like the very first tweet that somebody made into yeah. an NFT and somebody bought it for something stupid like two million quid or something ridiculous, and then it was suddenly it was worth like. 20,000 at most, you know, um, afterwards. Yeah, the, um, it's something that like... I still don't understand what that means, though. What does it mean? They, they it's, it's like they, they, an NFT. They, 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 what does they, NFT even stand for? Oh, I can't remember. Um, but oh. it is literally a... It's like a single image that doesn't exist anywhere else. Ever. You know, okay. there's, there's no copies of it or anything like that. It is, you know, a, a one-of-a-kind thing. So it could be a photo on my camera. Yeah, basically. Yeah, could be. It's okay. for non-fungible token. Yeah. Jesus, this is actually getting more complicated. <laughs> Maybe they did the right thing by not not mentioning, yeah. explaining what it is. I, I all I could tell was they were trying to steal something that was artsy but made with cameras. Um, that's that, yeah. that's the first part of the movie that kind of sets things in motion. Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in the cast, by the way. I forgot to yeah, mention it. Mentioned. Oh, you did. <laughs> I, sorry. I mentioned. Yeah. Um, but since, yeah, since, we mentioned, since we are name dropping people, um, what one of um, uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart's or Cyrus's crew is Ursula Corbero, who is hmm. in the Netflix series Money Heist, which is all about oh, a team okay. of people robbing this giant bank in 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 Spain or in Korea as the, uh, you know, the, the, they've, they've done a spin-off version of it. And then the, I think there's another version coming out called Berlin, which is like a, I think so. Like I can't remember if it's a series or another, or a TV movie, you know, based on it's, the series. I think it's a series. It's out now, but I was a bit confused because I thought when it said Money Heist Berlin that it was set in Berlin, but another thing I was reading no. makes me think that the character's name. The character. So so, so in, in, in Money Heist, they all... Uh, they only know each other by their code names, which is like named after cities. Oh, okay. So it's it, it's a great series, but it's very long <laughs> because it's got like various spin-offs, hasn't it? There's like um. Well, there's, there's some... it's, a, it's a it's a Korean remake of it. Oh, it's a remake, right? Okay. Yeah, money, money heist career, or whatever, whatever it was called. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, yeah. So, so yeah, 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 again, <laughs> you know, my, my wife was a big fan of the series. She's she spotted Ursula mm -hmm. immediately, basically. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. she does stand out because she's quite. She's got. She's the one. You know, a bit more. Uh, um, well, one you haven't seen her. Not really familiar, but she's. Um, she's got the accent and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's. She's one of the non-Americans, basically, mm -hmm. or non-British, non-American in the cast. Um, Sam Worthington. Now, was he supposed to be using his natural Australian accent because he works for Interpol, or was he supposed to be English because he he's based in. England, but it is Interpol, and I, I wasn't I, sure what they were doing with his accent. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the film, he's got a different accent to the one he has at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, I think I think when he when he's on the airplane, it starts starts to slip. Yeah, 
It must have been a sort of continuity thing. And they went, oh, no, nah, fuck it. But yeah, a very slickly made film. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyable. It's, as I said, certainly better than Red Notice. Um, how are you going to score it, Steve? I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. And Rich? Yeah, I'll give it a seven. Yeah, um, good right. job by all involved, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, three sevens then for Lyft. You can find this on Netflix. Go check it out. Our next film is Shiro's. When four thickest thieves friends arrive in Thailand, they quickly find themselves in over their heads. Fighting to stay alive, they employ their unique set of skills and unleash their fierce loyalty in a heart-pumping battle for survival. Okay, bitches. Um, <laughs> that's the only way to start this. Really. D- does this film make you feel old, Rich? I felt so old watching this. I really did. I thought they, it makes they, me feel they, something. <laughs> I thought there's a serious generational gap with this film, um, and the next one. Funny enough, um, the, these these two films, um, although although they did think they they, uh, they may have reignited my my um, my desire to write a screenplay because if these guys can fucking do it and, and get something made, then you know there's hope for all of us. I think. Um, so, Rich. You, um, you know, you you hardly ever um, tweet or mention your feelings about any of the films we're covering until we actually start recording. Mm. Except in this case, where you couldn't help but vent your spleen a little bit um, and think, try and warn you off. <laughs> yeah, I think your your exact words were, "I'm five minutes into this and I'm already hating it." Yeah, um, basically. Is what you said it, and I, I can relate. You know, I can certainly relate because um, it does all the horrible things that I hate. Um, it has the freeze frame uh, character names coming up, um, all of this sort of stuff. The you know the the funniest part of this for me is when they're facetiming each other at the beginning when Diamond is telling them that they're all going to Thailand for the weekend or the week or whatever. And it is the fakest FaceTime. You know, they're supposed to be on their phones, looking into their phone camera. And I don't know. I, I, why why did, did they fake it? It, it, looks, it looks incredibly fake. You know, they couldn't even just hold a camera up, um, a phone up to their face. And, you know, they couldn't even rely on their cast to do that. It's it's so weird. Did you notice that? It just looks so incredibly fake at the beginning. I just thought the whole film looked incredibly fake. Oh, it does. <laughs> like, oh, it's incredibly fake. It is this film vapid, <laughs> obnoxious. The, the, this film, the only audience I think that's going to go for this are thirteen-year-old girls, maybe. No, no boy is going to want to touch this. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it's an you know appealing looking cast of, of young ladies in action. I was yeah. like, wait, you know, this could be great fun, and it's just like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> it really, no, it's it's um, it's a film that's trying really hard to be cool and edgy. That's exactly it's what just it is. like hashtag oh. all this sort of stuff. Yeah, um, all, all the stuff of the FaceTime and the, in the hearts and stuff coming up with the side of the screen and. 
all of that crap. It's just, it just looks and, so And bad. it's a stupid film as well. Okay, so these char- the characters are all, they're not action people. They're basically, they're, they're layer, you know, they're regular people. Some of them have more money than others. One's an actress. One, yeah. One's a, she works in an art gallery. Uh, one's a skater chick, probably lesbian, is a lesbian. And oh, uh, I've got to talk about I mean, their kisses. Okay, the kisses, oh. right? There's like a couple of kisses, and they could not be more awkward. Uncomfortable. <laughs> they're like their lips are clamped shut, like it's the 1930s or something. You know, it's just like it's, they it's are. Like, they are really not. It, they're not selling sorry, it at all. <laughs> it's it's like Vin Diesel trying to kiss Asia Argento in um, in Triple X. It, it you know it, it is the most awkward kissing ever. Um, it, it, it reminded me of an episode of Friends where um, Phoebe pretends to be hitting on Chandler, and she's oh, like, yeah. "Okay, I'm going to kiss you now." And he's like, "Great, okay, right." You know, and it's like <laughs> the lips are getting closer and closer. Going, no, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, it's, it, both of them are going. Think of the paycheck. Think of the paycheck. Just, just, you know. But um, yeah, that that was pretty awful um the, the so only sort this of- is a film about young women right and uh, you know modern young women and edgy you know edgy and all that it's written and directed by a man in his like who's about 50 years old i think he's yeah. already a, a late 40s by the time he was making this so put that in context i mean this is like him kind of living out trying to get these girls doing to it's that kind of movie it's it's a it's a guy's strip club movie it's not a female empowerment kind of movie no it really isn't um Sorry. you know the, 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 well the, you know these girls are sort of like um called upon to well take take on a whole drug cartel um yeah. you know the, um, the 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 skater chick has to you know get involved in a MMA fight to the death for some reason um you know because their uh, friends been kidnapped, basically. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they come into they it basically it's got the tack, you know it's the, the simplest sort of plot setup ever is it's like oh we've accidentally had our bag swapped and then now we've we're now we've got a load of um now we've got a load of drugs and and oh, the bad guys are going to want to get hold of it it's that plot which i'm sure you know i, I can't remember specific examples times. but i know i've seen seen it a few times mm-hmm. and then oh it's like a uh so a diamond who's uh who's the the really rich one um her her dad's a movie star so she's been on sets and stuff so she's like oh let's orchestrate a, a rescue and they get the actress character who's isabel Furman, who really deserves a lot better mm-hmm. uh, especially as they get her doing this awful kind of lap dance sequence and stuff where mm-hmm. she's wearing this um uh this, you know it's revealing clothing that you know, she's she deserves a lot better than than that kind of thing. Oh, anyway, all, so the well, three of them do anyway. I mean, so um, Sasha Luss is that character, yeah. and she's kind of awkward. Says, "Oh, you know, we can, you know, we can gather ourselves and you know take on these guys." And and then by the end of the movie, they're like, you know, fully equipped and, and you know, they're, which I'm not against that plot because again, we've seen that whole regular people. Type, I mean, Red Dawn, for example, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, does, does the same kind of thing, although they take on communism as in a, a whole weekend, in, in, in a weekend you know, no, yeah but, not, um, not not over but the, not over years <laughs> but, but the annoying thing with well one of the annoying things so that by way of doing the whole oh yeah we're we're edgy characters kind of thing is they're really into drugs 
which is something that was also done on uh, on the Gen V series recently. You know, they're all really into the drug stuff. But over the course of that series, you know, they do kind of learn their lessons and they have, have growth and stuff. Whereas in this, literally, the character who's got into all the trouble in the first place, at the very end of the movie, it, like the final line, like off screen is, oh, can we get some blow? And stuff like th these characters have learned nothing. <laughs> so it's like, and it's like, she goes off, right? Uh, early in the film, so it's like, oh, as soon as she arrives in Thailand, she's like, oh, I've got to find some coke. It's like, and then like, even one of the friends is like, well, going, you, you know, getting really serious in trouble. You know, you know, bad stuff happens if you get caught over here. And she's like, completely, no, no, I'll just do it. And she's wandering down dark alleys and everything. And we're supposed to sympathise with these characters, no, no. and we're supposed to get on board with them. And I'm like, no, <laughs> can't. Sorry. Um, now, in in uh, the film Lift, the one we just reviewed. Um, it has like the most ridiculous plane ever, you know, this pimped out plane with, with a glass roof and all this sort of stuff. Um, this one has a similar um, strange plane because it's kind of like the TARDIS for a start. You know, it's it's a typical, um, you know, private Learjet, jet on the outside, Learjet, and then you go inside and it's like, oh, it's it's a nightclub. You know? Yeah, it's the money plane. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the money plane. <laughs> You know, with with these huge sofas and that, no, no seatbelts. You know, there's not a there's a, there's a bit where they go through turbulence and the captain goes, you know, the pilot goes, "Oh, you better strap in, ladies." And they actually look down and go, "Where's the seatbelts?" You know, you can see the actresses looking around, going, "Oh, there's there's no actual seatbelts for us to to wear here." It's um, yeah, it's it's a very very silly vapid. It's um, even so. Better than Fortress. But one, of, one of the things I, I will say, so there's a there's a bit where the actress, uh, the, the the friend has been kidnapped, mm. and uh, the actress character is encouraged to give a speech, and she basically gives the speech from or a variation of the speech from Taken. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, seriously, the speech from Taken? I mean, that was what fifteen years 15 ago. Years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, maybe that was when this was written. I don't know, but it seems a very I know it's quite a known film, but it seems still quite a dated reference to sort of be, be bringing up. Um, the there was other things like actually, you know, they go to Thailand and that's that. They actually meet very few people. The, the cast is actually quite small. There's only a few, and they all they all end up speaking English. Uh, even even the the news broadcast on TV is in English, <laughs> and uh, and obviously the the MM the, the the underground fighting scene and stuff that we get. Um, there's a scene where they go, um, uh, where they're in uh, early in the film, they're singing in their car, and they're clearly singing to a completely different track than the one that's being played. <laughs> which normally there is some, you know, they tie the two together, don't they? If, even if one's what they call diegetic part of the part of the film non-diegetic which you know on the outside but here they seem to have done that by accident or they or they, they lost the rights to the song that they were going to use Probably, the same, so it looks yeah. really awkward but there's loads of it's just loads of really weird little bits about it but i will say there's a couple of things that stood out um i thought wallace day who is the um the one with the blue hair yeah yeah I thought she was quite striking and quite and mm -hmm. did steal the film. I thought she was really interesting. Um, turns out she's a, a British actress she is. Uh, from from like Hollyoaks and stuff. Yeah, and she was also recast as um, she was uh, in a guest starring role. She 
was the recasting of Ruby Rose as Bat- Batwoman. That's right. Or the, or the or the actress who played or the character, sorry, um, Kate Kate King or something. I think her name was, um, but she appeared in the second series, uh, and I actually think that's quite an interesting one because this character with her blue hair seems like it could have been written for Ruby Rose. Mm. Um, although I did think she what she is better than Ruby Rose. I'm not, I'm not really a Ruby Rose fan, but I thought I liked her in this. I thought she was good. I thought she was convincing, especially say doing an American accent and everything. She was she was pretty good. It's just in those sort of romantic scenes, let's say, mm. just that just didn't didn't work at all. Um, it was almost like the director was like, I really want to see this. And they're yeah. like, but we don't want to do that. It's like, yeah, but you know, just just do it, <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm like, uh, okay, and. Um, the uh so yeah she was really good the um uh the other one was there's there's the guy in the cast who's uh jack elvey mm-hmm. who's like uh, the pilot character who's got there's a bit more mysterious about him kind of going on now he's got a really familiar look about him and i could swear i've seen him in something else but i'm looking on i look on his filmography and i don't recognize anything so i'm thinking he must just look like somebody else who i've watched recently because mm-hmm. i thought he's got a really good presence about him he just really reminds me of someone uh but he was cool i liked him uh i thought he he he, he was uh, he was a good asset to the film uh say so there's not much of there's say the, the whole cut the cast is really small there's, there's really not many uh there but i thought him i didn't like sasha Lass really as as diamond i didn't really like sky jackson's character mainly because she was just that she got them into all the trouble in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have anything to do apart from getting into trouble and not, and, you know, and just want to do coke all the time, which is just say not really a very appealing character traits. And Isabel Furman, you know, I like her and she's fine in it, but she's say she's the best, she's the most experienced actress in the cast, and she really deserves, um, you know, to be getting better better roles than this. And it's it's really not. I just feel awkward seeing her sort of put into some of these situations that she's in in this particular film. So mm. it's um. It's not good overall. I mean, it's it, there's enough that's bad about it that's quite entertaining, but I would say it's certainly one that you know you've got to be wary of what you're getting into when you see it. It's not the I was really excited about when I saw the trailer. I thought, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, but mm. uh, no, it wasn't. It's got um, uh, chaos, uh, which uh, chaos, uh, chaos Sander. So I've, I've got his name wrong anyway. He's a Thai filmmaker. Uh, who uh, is a cinematographer and producer and director? He directed Ballistic X versus Sever. That was oh, yeah. kind of his yeah. att- that, that was almost going to be his breakout, but um, that didn't do very well. And he's ended up doing making basically he went back to Thailand. He makes lots of stuff in Thailand. He's done the uh, I think it was called Zero Tolerance that Scott Adkins was mm-hmm. in. I'm yep. pretty sure he either directed it or produced it or had a hand in it. Otherwise, but yeah, most of what I've seen come from him hasn't been very good and even though he's not directing it it's kind of got his stamp on it and it's um yeah it's just a bit of a letdown i'm not really i don't know what this uh, jordan girton has done i'm just having a quick look at his credits well this is the, his um, first director director uh, directorial oh okay he's got film. two more lined up but he's mostly been in production so he's yeah. a pro- he's a producer turned director uh Funnily enough, he, he he was a producer on Spring Breakers, <laughs> which mm. is a sort of an ancestor of of this particular film, I would say, because yeah. that's got the, you know, four girls. It's another one about four girls getting into trouble with what, like drugs or something. I can't remember. I've never seen it. It's the one with um, uh, James Franco, I think, is, is the, the yeah, uh, yeah. It's a Harmony Korean film. Um, but yeah, the uh, 
so that's a that's probably an ancestor of this one and the uh yeah i can understand why it's just had this very very quiet release on paramount plus the um it's uh yeah i just discovered it there as i was sort of, sort of going through sasha Lass, I didn't like Anna. I don't know about you, but I, th I thought that film just didn't quite work. But I didn't think it was her fault. I thought no, she was fine. In she it. was fine. But yeah, was overall, the film was just too baggy, and you know they tried to make it too much of a serious spy thriller rather than the sort of lively action movie that they were necessarily. Luke Besson was was had made. It's, it's weird um, it's as a, well, isn't it, that she seems to be playing a younger character in this than she was in, in Anna, which was about five years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a while ago now. Because, uh, yeah, she's she's the one with the modelling background and a sort of model-turned-actress kind of thing. And that can that can go one of two ways. Um, but I thought, you know, she had she did show potential, I thought, but yeah. that potential is not realised in this film no. at all. Um, and uh, But I would say, you know, the one good thing that's come out of this is I've seen Wallace Day. I'm really interested to see what other stuff she's done. Yeah. Uh, she's oh, got a really a take good out, presence. Take she's a good, this, yeah, yeah, it's a good takeaway. On that note, Rich, how are you going to score it? Uh, I'm going to go four. Have to agree. Yep. Two falls for Shiro's. You can find this in the UK on Paramount+. Plus. Go check it out. Our next review is Slother House. Emily Young, a senior, wants to be elected as her sorority's president. She adopts a cute sloth, thinking it can become the new mascot and help her win, until a string of fatalities implicate the sloth as the main suspect in the murders. I mentioned earlier, Rich and Steve, that there was a couple of films this month or this week that made me feel really old. And this is the second one. Um, you know, I, I felt like such a granddad watching this. Um, it, it's, again, it's another film like Shiro's that's trying to be too hip for its own good. It's the whole, I've got to have likes on my Facebook page or my Twitter feed or my YouTube channel. You know, it's like, okay. Um, so we got this girl who's, who's you know, she's, she means well. Uh, she ends up, with this sloth, this three-toed sloth thing, which, um, you know, unbeknownst to everyone, is totally homicidal. Uh, we know because we've seen it murder a crocodile in the opening um, prologue. Um, and off it goes. It's Where this film lost me is when the sloth starts scouring the internet or scouring a Facebook page. <laughs> that is... Yeah, that that's the bit that broke me basically, um, and and yeah, I found it very difficult to sort of get back into the flow of it. Um, uh, Steve, not when it was driving the car. Oh, that, that was <laughs> Even though, how did it reach the pedals? Jesus. Well, it does have long arms, but anyway, <laughs> um, Steve. I mean, you know, obviously this is not meant to be taken seriously, and and and. It it it's still you know it meant but it doesn't want to be too taken seriously but at the same time it tries to play it quite straight, um, you know quite straight faced, and the puppetry is pretty good. But what did you make of it? 
I enjoyed it actually. Um, yeah, with a film featuring the killer slot, it's not high art. You know what I mean? It is. It is what it is, and it's it does it quite well. Um, the only thing that I think it needed really was just a little bit more gore. Yes. And I'm I'm not the go around of the group, obviously, but it just seemed a little bit too relaxed in that in that way. There's not I don't think you actually see a killing on screen. No, it's off screen yeah. kills basically all the way. Basically. Yeah, all the way through, which which disappointed me a little bit. Um but you know, it is it is stupid, it's ridiculous. But it's it, it's just fun. And one thing that did surprise me was um, seeing Sir Stevenson in it as well. It's like the, not the madam of the... Of See the house mother. Yeah. Yeah, the house mother, yeah. Who's a British sandal. Who I think she was going on Motley Week and stuff quite a lot. And she's she's really Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So you just came on a while. I know her. And I'd look up. Mm. Yeah, he's so, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I just think you need a little bit more bite. Well, like you say, I mean, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, it is all, like, instagram and stuff. And, but so I actually thought that was quite a good shortcut because it was coming up with the names. Mm. Like you say, you don't you don't like it when they do that in films. But to me, in this one, it actually kind of made sense. There's quite a lot of girls in the sorority. Yeah. And you know, it just give you that shortcut to kind of get to the know the names and stuff that they introduce separately. Yeah, because um, this is like this is the version of that trope where instead of not just the character name, but we get like a little bit about their interests and, and sort of yeah. a descriptive. Yeah. Some of that was too quick for me because I couldn't read it quick enough. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't mind. I didn't. I didn't mind it. I thought. I thought. You know. But it was. I, I was just thinking. It was funny. It was like, oh, like to both of the films this week. Uh, from mm-hmm. Paramount Plus, have both had a sort of a punny sort of title, uh, if you will. Yeah. And they're both like about young women. They're both very focused on social me- media, and they both use these same kind of conventions. That both completely different films, but they they do sort of try and plot, you know do similar uh, do similar things. Which are, are sort of mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are some nice nods to this. Um, you know, there are some nice nods to other films. Um, I don't know if you spotted the um, with Dario Argento nod. Oh, uh, no, I didn't which, see that one. Which one was that? But there, there's, there's a montage of, like, kills, and there's one girl who sort of picks up a T-shirt and looks, you know, we see her looking through the, the slash marks, which oh. is from um, Tenebrae, which is one of the uh, Dario Genos. Oh, okay. it's, it's a very famous image, basically. A, one thing I did I did pick up on that there are loads of references in this, so I probably mm. didn't catch half of them. That mm. uh, some of them were, were sort of jumped out. I mean, there, there, I mean, there's a shot from Halloween. There's a there's a bit of dialogue from the thing. Uh, mm. There's the music, sort of like a, a, a leans into the music from Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, something else uh no one star wars there's a star wars bit in there i think there's loads of that stuff peppered through that i didn't i didn't really pick it up until like about halfway through the film so there's probably a bunch from the from the first half of that that probably just completely wasn't it it wasn't 
picking up on. And if I went back and watched it, I'd pick up on, on a bit more. So I actually thought that was quite well done. That's all those little references. Some of them were a bit heavy handed, but some of it was nicely quite subtle. Like the say the when there's a, a shot from Halloween, they play that really nicely. Like the like it's it works within the context of the story. It's not yeah. it's not like you're going, oh, we're pausing to do a reference yeah, here. Yeah. Huh? It's like, huh? No, Get it looks, it? It looks it? quite organic and anybody yeah. who's a fan will look at it and go, Yeah, I know what they've done there. Yeah, you know, exactly. so, so I thought that was quite nice. One of the, one of the piece, pieces of script I did like was was the fact that her best friend chews chews her out for getting the sloth. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it's it's a wild animal. Why why do you think it's a good idea to keep it here in your dorm? You don't even know what it eats. You don't know, you know anything about it. Yeah. You know, it's just like you've just had this harebrained idea to to you know to be popular. And I, I thought, yeah, it, it was it was a good moment to sort of you know properly sort of call her out. You know, because she's a friend, so you know. She's the one that want to do it. Um, yeah, so I like that. And of course, you know, she's the one that the sloth wants to get rid of <laughs> as, as a result. Uh, and th those bits, you know, the, the, those attempts, I thought was, was very good. And of course, she gets the um, the final say as, as to what's going on. Did, did enjoy that. Um, I have no idea how the main character hasn't been arrested. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Basically, it's certainly accessory. <laughs> To, to a man, you know, to, to a massacre. Um, but anyway, it's 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 fun, yeah. Um, but how about you, Rich? What did you make of it? I thought it was, I, I quite liked it. I mean, the problem, I think, that it, that the pro main problem with it is that the only way they were able to make the concept work was to move away from the concept. Mm -hmm. So, the the sloth is like really fast you know it's like moving you know it's it's like getting around like all, all over the place it's it's you know super intelligent and you know it's more like a it's it's like one of it's like you know the gre like gremlins almost yeah, like yeah, yeah. i mean there's a gremlins yeah, element or chucky to it or something like that Some, you know yeah chucky or something something there where they've got like a lot Abigail. of like intelligence and it was like okay i can i can see how Okay, you take the, the opening scene and the sloth goes in, in with the uh, crocodile and it, and it basically, you know, wins the fight. Uh, that's fine, but there's not no, there's nothing to apart from you know maybe it's more aggressive in the moment. But I was thinking that the whole point of the the concept is it's a killer sloth, but then they've kind of made it not a killer sloth because it's it's just not. It, it could, it's just made they've made it into another animal just happens to look like a sloth. so mm -hmm. i thought that that was a bit it, it it seemed like too much of a a shortcut sort of an easy way out of the of the concept that you're selling in the yeah. first place there, there, was, so, there was nothing you know there was there was nothing like um oh it's been experimented on so it's now super intelligent or, or anything like that or you know it's been yeah, I wouldn't have minded that. No. yeah exactly that that would have made sense but no we're supposed to say i suppose what they're trying to say is like yeah it's a sloth no you know it's it's supposedly sleeps like 23 hours a day or some shit like that you know but that's what they want you to think you know? yeah <laughs> it's, it's Again, kind of that sort of thing yeah know? i think i could have i think that that was sort of part of the, what i was trying to justify it with myself and there but then it starts surfing the internet and driving a car and stuff and say i, I don't you can, i can I can accept that to, to a degree. The um, there was one bit where I got a bit lost because it was like there was a 
uh, it was the countdown to the election thing, and the, and it was like all the the weeks going by or days going by in the in the sorority, and they're do, doing lots of fun and stuff, and and it's like counting down weeks, and it's all just fun and japes. But then as you get closer to the election, that's when the sloth starts killing people in the montage. And I was like, well, why is it weighted? Why was it not killing people from the start? And why did why nobody does it ever seems to? Well, well it's, it not, yeah. <laughs> it's not killing off the opposition. It, it just wants to kill people because it's homicidal. But the, um, but what, why, why did it wait? And also, the, the, the girl who gets killed first, nobody ever mm. seems to wonder where she is. Mm. <laughs> it's like, why she's gone missing and stuff. Well, so it's, there's a little bit know, Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to sort of assume then that the sloth gets rid of the body or something. Yep. You know? yeah, or something, yeah. Something, yeah, I don't know what they're, what they're doing, but there's all... Um, so... Going back to the start, when the title comes up, it's got the slash, the three slash marks, and I think that could be misconstrued as this is Slotherhouse Three, uh, yeah, which, um, and I don't know if that was an intentional thing or not, but anyway, the, the um, that's how how that comes up. the 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 concept itself, I'm good with, you know, say Gremlins, uh, even something like Evolver, you know, person comes into possession of thing or you know living. Sort of living thing or living thing that ends up being more dangerous than they expected, and it starts killing people. Yeah. So it's so that's fine. I quite like that plot. Uh, I liked the I liked the and appreciated the fact that they've made made the sloth a practical puppet. Yeah, yeah. which um, which they stick to for the whole film. There's I don't think there's any CGI that I noticed. Maybe there might be a bit, bit of blood CGI and stuff, but this this seemed light on CGI um, yeah. compared to something like Cocaine Bear, where where the whole thing had to be done with CGI essentially. Mm. So I liked I liked that. So I thought the concept, the the kills being off screen, lets it down. You know, that's that's always yeah. a that's always a, a problem. I think when the, the audience want to see the kills, that's the with this kind of thing, that's what yeah, they're exactly. there for. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I say the in jokes I liked. I thought the the whole sort of setup and the uh, the sorority and the locations and everything worked kind of nicely. It was known. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but on the end credits, I noticed a lot of foreign names, uh, interesting uh, accents and characters and whatever. This was actually made in Serbia, uh, yeah. which I, and I thought they, which is not uncommon for like yeah. you know L uh, lots of Bulgaria, to be, you know, yeah, some, to be used for, yeah. for locations. You know, you just get everyone there. You put a location. You get get the cast and. You know, jobs are good, kind of thing, and uh, I thought that you know that that was clearly a budgetary decision that that, that paid off really nicely because you know you wouldn't, I don't think you would have you know you would. But there's there's lots of films that are set in America that are not made in America. Like for example, we were talking yeah. about the Beekeeper, which came out recently, the Jason Statham film, all set in Massachusetts, all shot in the south southeast of England and southwest of England. So. Mm. so um, uh, yeah, so when that's done well, that works nicely, yeah, and it did, and it did here that pays off. Um, I thought the cast were quite good. I thought the, you know, the problem with maybe the the uh, protagonist, she's quite likable and sympathetic, but then she's also got this, uh, you know, these, you know, this uh, the desire, you know, that yeah, for the for the for the likes and everything, which kind of takes you, you know, you're like, oh, well. I don't really like that about you. <laughs> so it's like you're supposed to be the, the sympathetic character. And does she again? Does she really learn a lesson by the end? I'm not sure mm. she does. She's she's they posit they try to make her the likable one by positioning her against the bitch the, of the, the house, basically. Girl, yeah. yeah, the mean girl. And um, but really, they're kind of they're all they're all in the same kind of pot, 
basically this you know the, the sorority girls kind of thing so they're all basically quite they've got these unappealing characteristics and but anyway th that aside that that sort of thing and i think if, if you're interested in like a, a college set you know horror comedy um go and watch ghoulies go to college no but seriously the um <laughs> Um, watch Ghoulies Go to College, but you know, give this a go as well. But Ghoulies Go to College is much better. Mm -hmm. On that note, how are we going to score it? Over to Steve. I'll give it a six. And Rich? I'll give it a six because it pulls too many of those punches and stuff, unfortunately. Three sixes for Slother House. You'll find this in the UK on Paramount Plus, uh, and it's getting a VOD release in the States very soon. And it'll be out in the UK on uh, on VOD or electronic cell phone, I'm not sure, but it is coming out in February. Okay. Over here. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is The Lumberjack. A grieving novelist retreats to a remote mountain cabin to find solace, but soon he will find himself in a fight for survival against a malevolent spirit. Okay, um, so this is very well shot, very well put together, quite atmospheric, and narratively a pile of bullshit. Um, <clears throat> it, it, this is a film that really bounced me out of the story um, at a certain point when our novelist is scrubbing the the cabin floor, and in one of the most contrived moves ever, discovers this um, this bound book that he starts reading. And even though they kind of explain it later on in the film, at that moment, I was thrown out because he starts narrating the story that re he's reading in the book. And there's no way that story can be there given what actually happens in the film. Because who's writing it? But anyway, that's that's me. We'll talk about this later, I'm sure. Uh, Steve, what did you make of The Lumberjack? Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with you. Um, it looks great. I mean, the, the drone shots and the aerial shots of the forest and stuff look absolutely fantastic. Um, I did have an issue with the dubbing as well. Mm -hmm. It's... Clearly, I think it was Greek in origin. It's a Greek production when they've yeah, done the old, yeah. um, a bit like the old Italian movies. They've they've yeah. made it for an English audience, so they've shot it in English, and they've basically got some some actors in or, or whatever to to sort of loop the dialogue so that it's yeah. clearer rather than uh, rather than accented. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's Greek. The uh, yeah the, the the dialogue performance I thought was terrible. It just didn't match up with the emotions. I mean, I know it's a kind of a study on grief and stuff like that, but it just didn't didn't work at all. I don't and it, I can't put my finger on it, but it just didn't didn't drag me. I think I did it out there. Really it was what was it, forty forty minutes long? Yeah. If you're doing something like this as a short to me that's that it's too long. I don't think it needed to be this long. There's no, no push, no verb. It's just very drab and slow. Um, and like you say, it, it doesn't make sense. It wouldn't. 
the book appearing and narrating the story. No. no. The only th- I did kind of like the ending, though. Hmm. The ending kind of reminded me of Candyman. Yeah. You know, where it's going to loop round again and um, again type thing. But apart from that, but the, yeah, so in which case the emphasis is on the wrong thing, isn't it? Exactly. You know, the emphasis yeah. should be on the book, not not the the, the figure. If you see what I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. if if, if yeah. it's going to sort of loop round, uh, there's no rhyme or reason for what actually happens in the film. You know, there's no rhyme or reason for him having, you know, visions of his what his dead wife telling him what to do, and mm. then. On top of that, not getting the opportunity to do what she says, you know, it just never, yeah. it never manifests itself that he has a choice to make. You know, he's, it, it just, the stuff just happens. So that whole scene is is totally superfluous. So what, you know, if, if he ends up in the afterlife and sees her, he, he could go up to her going, "What the hell are you on about? You know, you're telling me all that stuff. Or you just filled my head with nonsense, and and you know, nothing actually happened the way you, the way you told it." It's 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 crazy. Um, I I do want to sort of highlight something. Um, I've actually paused the screen um, for this. Uh, you know, this is definitely. You know, um, a lot of work has fallen on the director's shoulders, uh, Dimitris um, Samparas. You know, director, writer, cinematographer, editor, colorist, and sound mixer. Okay. I mean, that's that's a lot. You know, clearly yeah. this is um, you know a a you know a, a passion project, um, and he's sort of taking on all, all these roles. And in every aspect, apart from writer, I think he does an excellent job. You know, it is very atmospheric. You know, this it looks great, it sounds great. Um, it's just that script. It 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 doesn't work. You know, really, it, it's it's just confusing. Rich, you curated this one for us, as usual. Um, what do you make of it? I'm on board with a, a lot of what you guys have, have already observed. You know, the you know fantastic look to it. You know, it's a it's a it's a quite a slowly paced film. Uh, I found it quite I found it quite interesting uh, in terms of its aesthetics, perhaps more than its story. But um, so, and it could have dealt with being a bit. Uh, could have could have done with being a bit tighter. It is a bit slow. It was originally conceived as a ten minute film, and they kind of elaborated it. Um, I think it could they could have found a, a middle ground, you know, maybe about twenty minutes uh, to do it because it is it is a one man show for most of the running time. Uh, it's it's a very uh, it's a, say it's a Greek production. Uh, there's some English language dialogue, but there's not a lot in it. They they sort of intentionally made it very much. Uh, a, a sort of a quiet film about um, this one character sort of reflecting and stuff, but there is, say, there is um, some dialogue scenes and some voiceover stuff. Yeah, we don't they, we don't get any we don't get any live dialogue um, until yeah. about sixteen minutes into the film. I mean, you know, we do mm. get here some a woman's voice on a recording earlier, yes. but you know, before anyone actually speaks on on camera, you know, it's 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 a good sort of you know quarter of the way through the film. Uh, and I think that's the point where you realise that it's not uh, an uh, American or English or whatever production is uh, that that when that you know that say there is that sort of noticeable dubbing. But I thought that actually you know that does take you out a little bit, but does make that actually impress me more because I was thinking, oh, I've not seen something like this 
uh, from you know I, you know you look up directly like Greece or something. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's a, you know it's a there's a, a product you know a, a, a filmmaker. Uh, he's got his company uh, Seventh Art uh, Seventh Art Films making these very very high standard you know short films uh, and possibly you know you know I could I could expect you know that he'll sort of edge towards you know a feature i think that's what this is an attempt to do sort of move in that direction um but like i said i don't think he's i don't think this was quite the right thing i think it's um uh it's got some of those aforementioned you know the, the issues that you've mentioned but i think i was really taken with um his you know cinematography as much as anything else so i think in, in even if maybe he doesn't become a director but you know if he if he broadens his sort of uh you know work as a cinematographer you know and goes off to to hollywood and does that i thought you know that would be a benefit you know there's so many i mean this looks better than so many you know director video movies that we've seen uh i think i think and um you know he's got he's clearly got, got he's clearly got the goods uh where that comes it comes in um so I think that's that's it. As I say it's it sort of does things we've seen in, in other in other films. There's nothing sort of remarkably original, um, but I think all things considered, it's got its problems. But I think it's a, an interesting and quite ambitious, you know, project that's been mostly well executed. Uh, say especially in the film. I don't know if he did the editing as well, but it's also um, you know uh, the. Um, uh, yeah, it's, down it's, the it's, end. it's a good. He is down to the end. So, so say he's, he's. It's almost a one. It's almost like he's a, maybe he is a one man band essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, say making essentially doing all these roles, very small cast. You know, he's probably spent a long time making it, and you got to respect that. I mean, he's uh, say he's um, he's clearly uh, uh, done uh, done a lot with this, invested a lot in it, and uh, uh, I think yeah, it's um, it shows a, a great deal of promise. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, we do not score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out, and you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Wrongfully Accused. Ryan Harrison, a famed concert violinist, is framed for murder and must prove himself innocent by finding a mysterious one-eyed, one-armed, one-legged man after escaping from a bus accident on the way to jail. Um, This is a spoof on The Fugitive, starring Leslie Nielsen, um, Kenny LeBrock, Michael York, and Richard Krenner. Great cast. Um, This is... You know, it's it's not the freshest of the spoof movies. You know, there's it's it's way down the line from the likes of Hot Shots and um, you know even sort of scary movie. I think had come out by the time this had uh, turned up. It is fun. Is it funny? Um, I must admit, I did chuckle once or twice. My son, who is sixteen and had never seen this. He has watched uh, things like um, uh, The Naked Gun, Parts 1 and 2. Um, he he kind of made this noise while he's watching it. Uh, mm, you know, I could hear those sort of noises coming from him, but he never sort of managed to actually laugh as such. Um, so he, he was sort of like, 
you know, he's he got some enjoyment out of it, but nothing to actually sort of make him laugh out loud, unfortunately. Uh, Steve, had you seen this one before? And and if not, what uh, do you think of it? No, I hadn't, and I'm glad to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even, seen... I didn't even release, I didn't even realize this one existed until until Rich. I remember seeing the trailer um, years ago, but it, it, it's it's terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, I love Leslie Nielsen. Like I say, I love the classics, Airplane, Naked mm. Gun, even Police Squad. This series was great. This is absolutely shocking. This is on a level of like um, epic movie, date movie. No, like no, no, no. I think, I think I think it's a bit better than that. What's what's, what's the other one he did? He, he did he did a True Lies one as well, didn't he? He did. Oh, uh, he did Spy, Spy Hard. Let riffs on the True Lies. They don't find it funny at all. Um, yeah, I mean, like the bit with the bit with the strimmer, you know, where he cuts yeah, his yeah. shoes off. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just no. Come on, it's I great. Mean, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'll, if, if, it's, if it's a funny film, I'll laugh as much as the next one. I didn't even get to the noises Joshua was making. Mm. Um, I was just rolling my eyes. But I, I, it took me two watches because I fell asleep the first time watching it. You know, it was terrible. I mean, I, I love Les Nielsen, but no, just, just it was god awful. It really was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There was one or two times, as I said, it did make me. Me chuckle. I did like, you know, there's, there's certain good sort of sight gags and things going on. Um, it is incredibly silly. It really is. You know, I think I think it was a slapstick that Josh enjoyed more than anything. You know, when he's getting whacked. I don't mind. I don't mind silly. Yeah. You know, I don't mind silly so long as it's funny, and it just wasn't. I don't. Mm. It's must have been one of the flattest comedies I've ever seen. Supposed <laughs> comedy. Yeah. You know. Rich, had you seen this one before? I did, but I hadn't seen it for a long time. But I always knew that it was not one that, that it wasn't one of his best, and that you know, its its fate as a straight to video release was, you know, understandable. Uh, I think in terms of the sort of, you know, uh, it was a it was part of a natural progression downwards for yeah. for Leslie Nielsen's sort of spoofs. So this was this was um, coming after the naked after the three naked gun movies. Um, and then he he uh, he just before this he did Mr Magoo, which obviously wasn't a spoof movie, but basically he'd done the Naked Gun movies, and then it was kind of you know some time went by. He did this one, which didn't perform well. Then a couple of years later, he did what is probably uh, his worst one, which was um, um, what was it? Uh, Two thousand one, a space travesty. All right. Oh, sorry, Spy. No, I sorry, I missed Spy and Spy Hard and stuff. So he did the um, he did the Naked Gun movies. He did Dracula Dead and Loving. It was which I weirdly never saw. I've still never seen it. Mm. I'm a massive Les Nielsen fan. Spoofs. I've weirdly never seen it. Never. Uh, it's never just never uh, been the right time or, or whatever. Anyway, Spy Hard, which I loved, that was in cinemas in 1996, and so mm. this came out uh, two years after that, just after Mr. Magoo, which also didn't do very well. Um, and then say 2001: A Space Travesty was 2000, which is the worst one. 
um that's trying really hard and it's not very not very good at all um mainly trying to rip off trying to copy the naked gun and but do it in space and having the loop but this one i think is kind of in that middle ground it's, it's not very good it's a fairly polished sort of uh, warner brothers movie uh it's got a decent budget it's very short it's only like an hour and 15 minutes long i found it quite breezy what i find quite interesting with some of these films especially the ones that are um referencing particular films or have been assembled say like like i mean i think this isn't like uh epic movie and and stuff but it is but i i do agree with the view that it is in a way because a lot of those movies were just oh let's take that scene from that yeah. movie and that scene from that movie and we'll kind of cobble a movie together and this is kind of this is a spoof of the fugitive which throws in loads of other stuff which is kind of similar to what they did with um spy hard although Spy Hard was more like Naked Gun, where they weren't actually referencing anything in particular um, as the main sort of inspiration. So this is this is zeroing in on the Fugitive, which in itself seems an odd choice as well, because this was 1998 yeah. and the Fugitive was five years earlier. So it already seems like, I mean, this was the same year, I think, possibly, or or around the same time as U.S. Marshals. So it it was still in the kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. But still, a lot of time's gone by. Anyway, so I think that might be one of the issues. So who knows that the script was knocking around. The the main interesting thing for me as a spoof fan is that this was the was the directorial debut and sole directorial credit after obviously it failed of Pat Proft, who not only has a really long history with the spoofs, uh, like you know, like the Hot Shots movies and Naked Gun movies, but uh, he created Academy. the Police Academy. Yeah, so um, I expected a lot from him. Being like one of the uh, sort of one of the greatest writers of these kind of movies to really deliver, and uh, that's probably the most disappointing is that it doesn't deliver. And it starts out quite; it takes a while to get going. It's got some quite lazy jokes at the start, and it's all the Michael Flatley stuff, and uh, somebody sort of showing somebody uh, around in the uh, theater with a with a lightsaber and stuff. It's like, mm. um, but it, what I think once it gets into its rhythm and the cast start getting to shine, like you know, like Michael York's fantastic, and and um, uh, uh, Kelly DeBrock does the um, the femme fatale kind of thing, which is always in these Leslie Nielsen uh, sort of movies. I did have a lot of fun with it, and I thought there's little jokes like um, uh, the uh, the usual suspects bit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying about? Oh, well, oh I was yeah, up yeah. at <laughs> Piffle Waffle down at the down at the. the and he's just reading up random things, and then like a few, a couple of minutes goes by, and then the guy who he's talking to, which I believe was the host of America's Most Wanted or something like that, yeah. which would be a joke completely lost on us because we don't ever watch that. But um, I think that's what he's from, something like that. So then he's looking at the board and he puts it all together, and, and that, but that's the end of the joke. That's, that's it. It doesn't go anywhere after that. But the um, oh, Richard Krenner's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Richard yeah, yeah. Krenner. Who'd also done Hot Shots Part Two? Mm. Um, again, not a comedy guy, but they really made he he really sold everything. <laughs> he was doing the Tommy Lee Jones stuff really well um, for yeah. for me. I thought I thought that works really nicely. So it's a brisk running time. I think if you're a spoof fan, it's you know it's not great. It, it's it's got its problems. Um, it's it's too much. Of, it's uh, it's a slave to sort of its period and trying to do all these sort of particular film references, which makes it an interesting kind of time capsule. Mm. Uh, Titanic and stuff is all in there, um, but uh, you know it's it, certainly it spends, spends a long time on a sex scene as well. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. You know, now, now looking back at it now, it's like 
yeah okay that's weird <laughs> <laughs> well there's a lot there's always a lot uh, there's all the um leslie nielsen movies have, have had that kind of uh age mm. age what would be really age inappropriate relationships mm. um is uh, and say um sex scenes and stuff has have always sort of formed part of part of those you know like going back you know um the naked gun with the you know him and uh, priscilla Presley oh, dressed yeah. in the condoms and stuff like that but the um uh and yeah him just sort of being <laughs> the, the this they always paint him as like this really irresistible guy or whatever which is quite funny and um i think i i, I just i think leslie nielsen just really carries it i think he's 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 got um uh, if it, if it was they, they wouldn't have been able, this is a Leslie Nielsen movie they wouldn't have been able to make it with anyone else it wouldn't oh, have worked no, no, I, even half as well even though it doesn't work that well it's it just wouldn't have worked at all with anyone else it's because of him his his charm and and that really is um is one of the things that carries it along um I, would I rather watch Spy Hard or or Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third Yes absolutely but I was I was so thrilled when this turned up on Prime. But to finally get a chance to give it another shot and spend a little more, to, bit more time with Leslie Nielsen, because obviously we lost him in, in 2010. We won't get any more movies like like this. And um, some of the ones that he did make were worse than this. So um, I do, I do, I do like that. You know, it's got that polish and, and quality and stuff to it. And I just wish, you know, I do wish it was better. But then I would, then it wouldn't have been a DT. TV movie, and I wouldn't be able to talk about it with you guys. So, every um, yeah. cloud, save of the winds, basically. Yeah. Um, okay, but it's not yeah. for everyone, as as we found with you know Steve really didn't get on with it at all. So you you uh, dear listener might be more like Steve when you watch it and think, why the hell am I watching this? Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I I remember. Do you remember Steve when we covered a film called Stir Crazy on on the um, Smoking Lamb? Yeah, the um, Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. Yeah. Because I remember watching that as a kid, or as a you know early teen, mm. and, and laughing my head off. And when we watched it again, it was like, oh my god, this is like the worst piece of crap ever. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just so so weird. You know, to and so so it's it's good in a way that you know this has sort of stood the test of time a bit. Um, it's it's not just a film of its moment. I guess it helps if you, you know, are a seasoned movie fan and can spot the references it's going for. You know um, that that obviously helps, um, but you know the deadpan delivery and that sort of stuff all works. Um, but it, it's it's just lacking that you know the, the, the extra spark from from the um, you know the naked guns and the airplanes and that sort of thing. Cool. Okay, um, we do not score the throwbacks, but we do recommend you check them out. And as Rich mentioned, this has now turned up on Amazon's Prime. So if you're a subscriber, um, go check it out. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also, the short shots where we've got a whole library of links for short films of um, you know, different genres, fan films, horror films, martial arts films, it's all there. We've got hundreds of the damn things that Richard's been um, sort of curating for us over the past few years. Go check them out. Other than that, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.